Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today, we're going to be talking about contingency planning, and you may have remembered that on a previous podcast, we touched on this, but this is contingency planning. We're talking about life insurance, and I I really like this subject because I think it's incredibly important, and on a previous podcast, Peter actually spoke about focusing on the controllable. What can you control? And this is one thing that we can't control a lot of things about our life, but what we plan for is definitely something we we can control. So good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm great, Eric. How about, how about yourself? Doing well, doing well. Uh, this is this is an important topic, right? I mean, this is something we've touched on before, and we've we've kind of gone around a little bit. But you're really going to be focusing on it today, correct? Yeah, that's right. It's a, a specific topic, and we'll talk about you know how you approach this topic of of contingency planning, mm-hmm. especially around mortality. Yeah. Yeah, not not a fun subject. <laughs> not all balloons not. and confetti, right? I mean, but uh, yeah. it's definitely something that people need to to address. Yeah, it's, you know, we don't want to be naysayers, um, but you know, we just we do do need to be thinking about these things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was told a long time ago that what's really important isn't what you know; it's what you don't know. So I think of my job is is helping clients think about their future and consider how it might play out. Mm-hmm. So. We, we spend a lot of time discussing contingency planning because that's those are the unknowns. Yeah. There, and there's actually a worksheet on my website at raskinplanning.com called the Contingency Plan Exercise. All right. So if you download our white paper, Five Challenges When Planning Your Wealth Journey, uh, contingency planning is challenge number three. So I suggest listeners download it and it may help them begin thinking about what you don't know and how to plan for it. Okay, so out of curiosity, this this paper, is this something that a couple should do together or should they do it individually and then compare results or or how do you how do you suggest they go about it? Oh, I think every couple's different. Um, I would say, you know, start it together. Um, if you feel more comfortable doing it individually, that's fine too. I, I think as long as it's as long as you're thoughtful and mm-hmm. I think a couple should do it. So I recommend thinking about it and doing it doing it together. Great. All right. So the prime area of contingency planning for a lot of our clients is around mortality, Mm -hmm. the ultimate. Uh, No one likes to think about it. We're on this earth for a a relatively short period of time. We all hope for that long, productive, happy, healthy life. But part of contingency contingency planning is thinking about about what happens if we fall short of this this hope. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, accidents, sickness can happen to anyone, no matter your, your previous successes or good health or family history. It just happens. Yeah. I got a chuckle the other weekend. Uh, I was at church and the pastor brought up, he said, there's, there's really one statistic that is, that has kind of been even keel since the beginning of time. And, and that's, uh, at about a hundred percent success rate and that's death. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's just about at a hundred percent. So, uh, I thought, well, you know, that is kind of a morbid thought, but it's a hundred percent true. So yeah. yeah. All right. I, and I think our, in our society, we don't necessarily deal with, with death as a reality as healthily as we could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
but having said that, I find that most people are, are, are really thoughtful about these issues and, and they recognize that, that their death could cause some financial distress for, for their survivors. Yeah. You know, if I have liabilities or debts that need to be paid or I have, I've made financial commitments uh, like education or for kids or I promised a certain lifestyle to my survivors, you know, that might be difficult to maintain without any ongoing income. Mm-hmm. So the question is, and you can see this in the worksheet, is will my family be okay financially without me? Mm. If the answer is possibly no, then life insurance is an obvious solution to this this dilemma. Yeah. And in my mind, it's actually the perfect solution because dollars are delivered to the family just when they need it, which is at death. Yeah. And, and that's great. And I agree 100%. But I guarantee the first question on everybody's mind is how much do I need? I mean, how much, how much life insurance is, is expected of me, you know, coming from bill perspective, from taking care of family and and possibly leaving a legacy if I want to do that, or I've got grandkids that I want to bless, so on and so forth. I mean, that's, that's the big question, right? Yeah. I think that's the rub is, is how much life insurance do you need? So once we've done our comprehensive planning, we understand what our clients objectives and goals are. Uh, then we're able to turn to uh, dealing with contingency planning. Mm-hmm. And the answer, how much how much insurance might you need, is really totally dependent upon your individual situation and, and objectives. So what I thought would be best today is to, is to walk um, listeners through three different examples of client situations. And hopefully this will help understand the process and, and how we think about life insurance needs planning. Yeah, absolutely. That should help. So the first example is a young couple with two kids. So I'm going to go through this quickly. We're trying to give a, a sense of who this, this couple is and, and how we come up with a life insurance death benefit amount that they might need. So Todd and Diane are in their mid-30s with two kids, ages eight and five. Todd works and he makes about $300,000 per year. Uh, Diane hasn't worked since they've had kids. They have about $300,000 in investments and retirement accounts. They have uh, a fairly large mortgage and the outstanding balance is $450,000. Their goal is to fully fund the expense of college at, at a selective university or college. And right now, the cost of these schools is is about $70,000 per year. Mm. So two kids, that's four years times 70000 that's $280,000 for one and $560,000 for the, for the two kids. Mm. We asked a little bit more about what they aspire for their family and, and Todd and Diane, who both went to graduate school, and they both received some parental help and, and want to do the same for their kids. So they'd like to do the same. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking they could help with about half the cost of a two-year graduate school say $75,000 per child or $150,000 in total. Got it. And so other than the mortgage, they don't have any other debt. They're, they're, doing, they're doing well for a young, a young family. Mm-hmm. So if we just add their total debt and their goals to, to help with the kids' education, uh, that total is $1,160,000. Wow. So that's just for, for debt and education. But if Todd isn't around, Diane and the kids want to maintain a similar standard of living. Diane doesn't expect to return to work. 
and assuming there's cash available to pay the mortgage and college expenses, Diane needs a, almost $100,000 per year until the kids are finished with college. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's 16 years at $100,000 per year or a million six. So wow. after the kids are, are, are finished with college, Diane's expenses are, will probably drop to let's say $80,000. And let's say Diane lives to age 90. Well, that's 40 years at $80,000 per year. That's, that's $3.2 million. So just the income need for Diane and the kids over their lifetime is, is 1.6 million plus 3.2 million, which totals $4,800,000. Mm-hmm. So then we add the debt and education need to that, and we, we get a total capital need for this family of $5,960,000, almost $6 million. Mm. Wow. So if we think about their situation now, Todd and Diane, they already have $300,000 in savings, so we can subtract that from the, from the $6 million. Mm-hmm. Todd already has, has $300,000 of employer-paid life insurance. So if Todd dies, the kids will likely receive a social security benefit until they're 18 and Diane will receive a social security benefit starting at her age 67. So this can really reduce the total capital need pretty significantly. Got it. When we're doing our planning and our analysis, we, t- we take this into account, but, but today this back of the envelope analysis I'm doing, I'm going to ignore these benefits just to show the concept. Mm-hmm. So for discussion purposes, uh, it seems to me that Todd might want four to five million dollars of additional life insurance death benefit if he predeceases Diane at this point in time. Yeah, and, and it, the the beauty of this is that it it doesn't give. I mean, it it doesn't take everything into account, but it really gives you that foundation because the scenario you've described is Diane is stay-at-home mom and she's working hard there, obviously, to take care of these kids. It has it says nothing about future dating or marriage. I mean, which is possible, you know, people you know, grieve and then they move on and, and find somebody else that they love. And that's great. Um, it doesn't discuss whether or not when they are in full-time school, if she decides to get a full-time job or a part-time job, depending on her situation. It also doesn't, you know, point to whether or not these kids, I, I believe you said they're eight and five. Well, maybe the eight-year-old, since that's the older one, after, you know, going through college and finding a sweetheart, they get married and have a baby. And all of a sudden Diane's a grandma that gives her the freedom to not have to work a full-time job and maybe help with being a grandma and maybe, you know, doing some babysitting and watching the child or there's so many different possibilities that she can, you know, think about, or they can think about together when planning this to be able to say, I want to be able to free you up to be able to do what you want to do. If she gets a job that she loves and she's passionate about, that's just a bonus, right? I mean, that's, that's how I think of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and everyone's different. She may, she may really want to go back to work, but at this point in time, they're saying, yeah, we don't want to plan for that. Exactly. You don't want to have to, you want to be able to do it with joy, right? Without, without an obligation of, I have to bring in the bread. Right. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Every family's different though. Everyone takes it, takes it, approaches this a little bit differently. So this is, this is just an example of, of, of one yeah. couple and how they, how they're looking at their, at their current situation. Of course. Yep. All right. So now, let's talk about Diane. Yeah, I was going to say um, a, a lot of people, you know, then turn, you know, ask, what about the surviving spouse? Does she does she need life insurance? Mm-hmm. And and I would say absolutely, because uh, because if she dies, Todd would need significant help 
with the kids. Oh, and, yeah. and this would cost money. And I usually recommend somewhere between, you know, $250,000 and $500,000 of life insurance for a non-working spouse. It just frees up the, the family to hire help, allow Todd to continue in his career and uh, gives the family flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's all sorts of variables in there that that would definitely help with. I mean, Todd may need to take a slight leave of absence to, to really help the kids emotionally through this, you know, through the impact of their mother's death. And, and it gives him kind of that time to be able to say, okay, you know, let, let's make sure they're good, stable, get that help in that they need, you know, help with maybe some family stuff. But yeah, it, it definitely would, would help him in the long run for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it just gives, I think uh, having adequate life insurance on the husband and wife, the mother and father uh, just gives the family tremendous flexibility. Yeah. So let me um, move on to the second example. And, uh, and, and we'll use the same family, Todd and Diane, just 25 years later. They're now age 60. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've made it. The kids are independent. They're successful young adults. They, uh, Todd and Diane have accumulated enough in retirement and, and non-retirement accounts to almost fully fund their retirement. Todd expects to work a few more years. Mortgage is paid off. And really, they have everything to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Todd really will probably retire in five years. But in the meantime, they're really enjoying themselves, traveling, and they're continuing to save. And their current plan suggests that if they live into their 90s, they won't leave that much of an, inher- an inheritance for their kids. And um, that's as, as they're looking back at, at their life, they think that would be an important financial goal. Mm-hmm. And what they are thinking about doing is really three things. Uh, they'd like to leave both kids $500,000 plus mm-hmm. the value of their residence. And they want to leave $100,000 to a specific charity that they feel strongly about. All right. So they're, they're charitably um, inclined and they really just want to leave the kids some flexibility, mm-hmm. some you know, they don't know if and when their kids will uh, get married, have families, but they want to they want to help them purchase homes if they were to predecease, um, you know, die, die anytime between now and age 90. Yeah, so that's just what they want. Yep. So uh, life insurance could be a solution for Todd and Diane. They could purchase a life insurance policy that pays a million one hundred thousand dollars after both Todd and Diane have died. Mm-hmm. So this would be $500,000 for each of the kids and $100,000 to charity. And they guarantee that that's what the kids will get. Uh, this kind of insurance, we, we call it second to die insurance. It's less expensive than a policy solely on Diane or Todd's life. And the, the reason being is that it's on both of their lives. Mm-hmm. So when both have died, the policy could pay to the kids and to charity. So it's just a, a different, you know, they still might have a, a life insurance objective or to leave the kids something. And now we're just looking at, at a different way to solve that problem. So does this take the place of the original life insurance policy they may have had when they were younger? It might very well, depending upon the kind of life insurance they've purchased uh, over, the, over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might have this existing insurance already in place. Got it. But if they've purchased... Um, term life insurance for the majority of their life insurance, it may be at that point in time where the premiums are becoming so expensive that they don't, they really can't maintain it. Yeah. So they, they might want to consider 
um, having some sort of permanent life insurance? And that's a great question, Eric. That that's really going to be the topic of another podcast. Is what products are available in today's world to solve specific problems? Mm, okay. So the third example is a, a business owner, and he, his name is Jim. He's 55 years old, runs a, a successful manufacturing company. The business is valuable, and most of his personal net worth is actually tied up in the business, which I find is pretty typical for, mm-hmm. for business owners. Jim does have a 24-year-old son and who, who just started working in the business. It's possible that the son might be capable to run this business, but Jim really won't know that for another five to 10 years. Uh, Jim is having fun and, and will continue to work. He doesn't have any personal debt, but he does have a business line of credit. And Jim is concerned that the bank will call this line if Jim dies. Mm-hmm. So Jim thinks the business will struggle at first without him. He has a, a, a really good second line management team in place, but he would need to bring in a top manager for a period of time to position the, the business for sale or to run the business until his son is, is really capable and ready to take over. And Jim kind of estimates that, that this additional need uh, for cash would be in, in the magnitude, magnitude of about a million dollars at his death. He knows he needs to work on his business succession plan. He just doesn't have time to do it right now. Uh, like a lot of business owners, he's got priorities yeah. <laughs> and running the business, uh, dealing with the day-to-day seems to be the uh, the higher priority at this point. But he knows he's going to tackle this issue over the next bunch of years. Got it. So that's the situation. And as you might have guessed, life insurance on Jim seems to be a reasonable solution. So the business could be the owner and the beneficiary of this life insurance policy. At Jim's death, $2 million is delivered tax-free to the business. And it, that gives the, the business plenty of flexibility, continue running, paying off debt, hiring management, and dealing with, with, a, with losses of revenue. Now, is, that, is that called key bed insurance? I think of it as a key person insurance, yes. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard that term before. I just wanted to make sure that's what we we're talking about. Yep, a corporation owns the life insurance policy and the death benefit is paid to the corporation. Got it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So just another example how people might be thinking about life insurance, how to come up with a, a dollar amount of need. It does solve problems. It's not the only solution for every single problem, but it is there uh, for both personal and for business needs. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great tool that, that should be utilized. And as I mentioned, in, in the future, I'll, I'll be chatting about uh, different kinds of products available and how each of the products can can really deliver a different kind of solution based on the client's objectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if, if people are listening to this and saying, okay, th- these examples are great, uh, I kind of have a little bit of that first example, kind of, I'm kind of in part of that scenario, I'd like to, you know, help my fund my kid's education, but it's not exactly me or that second one, it's not exactly me, but I... I some key points kind of struck a nerve with me. How do they get a hold of you? Because I know that, it, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, everything's very individualized and people really just need to have a conversation about it with their trusted professional. And if that happens to be you or they don't have one and they, they need one, which could definitely be you, how do they reach out to, to make an appointment with you to, to say, hey, look, I just need to take a look at what you're talking about? Yeah, um, it's so important to, to, to speak to, to someone that can really help you think through these issues because 
there are questions that you might not have thought about. Mm -hmm. Back to my original comment, it's not what you know, it's what you don't know. So the planning professional can really ask you the questions that are necessary to help you kind of think about what your needs might be for the family over, over these 20, 30, 40 years. And so if people want to uh, reach out and ask our thoughts on, on this issue, please do. They can send an email at peter.raskin at lfg.com or give me a call directly at 617-728-7433. Happy to help. All right. Thank you, Peter, so much for your time. Great podcast. I look forward to that next one. Thanks, Eric. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you all for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.